Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. We've all discovered that not all journeys are fun, and they're not look, they don't all look like that and, and feel like that either. Sometimes when we find ourselves leaving a place and heading towards a place, that land in between is the most discouraging, frustrating, and disappointing time of our lives. And I think that many of us can understand how it can be easy to get angry in those seasons of our life when we find ourselves leaving some place that's fertile and then heading towards a new place that's fertile, but we haven't gotten there yet. And the whole point of what God has been showing us in this series and in the scriptures is that the getting there part is about avoiding certain things. And and one of those things that we do need to avoid is is road rage. I don't know about you, what you're like uh, once you get behind the wheel of a car, but I've seen people completely transform. Um, People that you would never expect to be that angry when they're driving. Just, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why it comes out the way that it does, but they become extremely aggressive. And, um, and, and their favorite, um, you know, just utility in the vehicle is the horn. Like, like they just lean into it. And, and it's interesting. There's a lot of information on the um, internet about how to avoid road rage. And I just found the topic itself just to kind of be a little... Um, interesting when it came to the advice that they were giving. And I thought some of it was good, and some of it I don't think would necessarily help, but let me just give you some examples. One of them was give yourself time to get where you're going. And so obviously if you give yourself time, you're going to be more patient. But if you're always late, then you're going to see that you're going to just put yourself in a position where your patience is going to run real low. It's also about, before you get behind the wheel, just create realistic expectations about your travel. You know, I mean, you can't get into the car at 3 o'clock thinking that you're not going to find traffic. You can't think that you're going to get to where you need to in 30 minutes when you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and you know that there's a lot of road closures, and I mean, we're called the Orange Cone City for a reason. I mean, we, we kind of know how our roads are going to be. You kind of know you have to give yourself extra time. I, lately, for the past month, I can't even leave my street because everything's blocked. It is so complicated just to get onto another road so that I can just leave my neighborhood. I can't even do that without it being complicated, not only just getting home, but actually just leaving home. And I think that when we try to drive, we also are experiencing just intense emotions. Sometimes we're anxious already, we're nervous, we're, we're fearful, uh, we're behind the wheel and we're already anticipating that, that people are around us are all trying to crash into us. Or we're the ones who are just driving in a manner that it feels like, well, other people are just like honking at us because they are 
fearful of how we're driving or how we're distracted, fiddling with the radio, maybe adjusting something with our phone or just, you know, watching Netflix, that kind of thing. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes begin to swerve a little bit and, 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 it, and people honk and it makes them anxious and then we get angry at them. Uh, you know, be understanding also of other drivers and, and how they may not see what it is that you're doing. Um, has it ever happened to you to arrive at an intersection and, and people just don't know the rules? Like you're supposed to let the person on your right go, but the person on your left goes first? It's like, no, that's wrong. And so that can set you off. Sometimes you know the road rules better than other people. And because you do, that, can, that knowledge can sometimes just make you impatient about what other drivers are doing. Sometimes uh, because of the glare of the sun, it was a time when I came to a light and, and, and I didn't see that the person had their flasher on. And I thought to myself, why is this person not telling everybody else that they're turning? And as they got closer, I saw that they actually had it. It's just that I couldn't see it because the sun was shining so brightly. They had done the right thing, but I just assumed that they had done the wrong thing. And I think there are a lot of examples in which in our life and in our time, we can just sometimes just do things that just get other people upset and not just ourselves being upset by what other people are and aren't doing. Well, there's a new thing happening in the city. It's like a, an attraction and it's called uh, a rage cage. Has anybody heard of this? I just, I just heard about this actually not long ago, uh, like literally a few minutes ago, like literally in the green room, because this is how spiritual we are. Um, we, we, we sometimes have conversations about things of what happened in the week, and, and apparently there's a rage cage that's available um, for like 45 bucks an hour, basically, where you can go in and you can pick your item of destruction and your tool of destruction. They give you a full protective suit, and then for the next hour, you get to smash things. I know some of you are saying, I want to try that. <laughs> I want to do that. Well, there's a few people on our worship team who already did it. <laughs> and and, and I, I, just, I just like, wow, really? There's something that exists like, like this? Yeah, it's called a rage cage, apparently, and it's in the plateau. So check it out. And uh, I am making money from this announcement, and I just wanted to make that clear. <clears throat> no, I'm not. But you can see how the need for something like this would be created, right? Would you say that percentage-wise, that you're angry in the course of a day, I don't know, 10% of the time? Would that be safe, like a safe number, 10%? Uh, how, about, how about if it goes to 20? What about 30? What about 50%? What if you find the majority of your day just, just, just always dealing with anger? How are you going to release that anger? What things are you going to do to release it? And, and, and what I know is that the angrier we are, the people who get hurt the most are the anger carriers. Because often we don't do anything with that anger. Um, but there are times when we can be explosive and we can be destructive, we can be abusive, we can hurt someone, and sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes we just lose it 
and our language flows in a manner that is unbefitting a human being, let alone a follower of Jesus. There are times when our emotions are just taking control and to a measure and, to, uh, and in a manner in which if, if Jesus was in the room, uh, he, he's taken cover. Because we just scared the Son of God. And I, and I think that those are the moments when we feel the worst about ourselves, not the best. I, I don't think, I've never seen anyone get angry and feel good after it. I've never seen anyone say, wow, you know, I just can't wait for the next time to have an outburst like that. <laughs> I've never heard that. I've never seen that. I, that's a moment when we're, we're obviously at our lowest, you know, and, and people have witnessed that. And, and, and sometimes, like, when they've witnessed it, they're like, wow, like, this is really scary. And, and, and you, you try to understand, like, what are you really angry about and sometimes what we're angry about is just manifesting itself in ways that we just never expected and anticipated and anything can set us off i remember one time my mom you know she had been in this extremely long battle with cancer she had ovarian cancer and it was detected unfortunately too late and she had gone through two operations uh, rounds of, of chemotherapy and radiation and just poor woman just had gone through it all and um and I was spending a lot of time with her. Uh, she was living with me, and you know, sometimes I just sit with her, and she'd just be in pain. I just, just, just cradle my mom. And the last days where she just, she just was just telling me, I just want to go. I just want to go and be with the Lord. I'd say, just hang on a little bit more, you know. And I was saying, saying those things more for me than for her, you know. But, and she wanted to live, but she just realized that her time for life had come to an end. And I, and I, I remember getting so angry with God and getting so, so angry and frustrated that, that our prayers weren't working, that God wasn't healing my mother, that um, the cancer that we had heard she had been now in remission from had come back and, and it had spread throughout her body. And um, I was angry with the doctors who didn't detect it because we had gone and brought her to so many specialists. And, and if it had been just cut from the first doctor, from a, just a, a regular physical exam, but they were just listening to more what my mom was saying and not checking her body and the pain that she was experiencing. They were prescribing medication, but they weren't paying attention to the symptoms that were leading her down a path that she would never return from. I remember being so angry with all those things and saying, why couldn't have this been caught sooner? I had so many questions, and the anger was just there. I didn't know it was there. And here I was, just like being a good son, and I thought of being a good husband and father, and yet there'd be sometimes something would happen, and all of a sudden, I would have an outburst of anger. And, and it was just because of my brokenness. It was because of my anger of the situation. It was just expressing herself itself in ways that I just, I just couldn't imagine that that was me in that moment. And I think when you're in that in-between place, it can be such a dangerous place. A, a place where you can just, just fall into a place of anger and questioning. And, 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 and that's when questions abound. Uh, they abound when we're in the land in-between. And when they abound, here's what happens. Um, our, our anger is intensified. You see, the more questions you have, the angrier you get. The more you feel you don't have answers and solutions, the angrier you get. 
And it's hard to just trust God and release things and just accept things and just to go with the flow of things when, when, when you won't accept them, when you can't accept them, when you need a different outcome, when things have to change, they must change. I will not accept them the way they are. Well, in the scriptures, in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 11 to 15, I wanted to read these verses to you. And it says that Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is just far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, then just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor, Moses says, and spare me this misery. Wow. Are you kidding me? This is Moses? This is Moses angry. This is Moses carrying a burden he doesn't want to carry anymore. In the passage that we just read, the questions are abounding, and Moses is the one who's in a very angry and frustrated manner is, is speaking to God about them. And what we need to be aware of is that when we find ourselves in situations like this, here's what you have to already know. You are going to have an emotional breakdown. In the same way that when you're on a journey you have to anticipate for when your car will break down. You have to be careful that when you do stop, that you check the car to make sure that, especially if you're on a long journey, that you're going to be able to get to where your destination is. You can't just trust that the car is going to get you there. You have to make sure that the car gets you there. In the same way that we can't just trust that we can go from one place to the next, we have to ensure that we are doing what we can and what we need to to make sure that we get there. And what God does is that He provides what we need to make sure that the journey is a journey in which we make it. But we have to anticipate that we are going to have breakdowns. I, I, I see that with hap what's happening in the story with Moses is that his questioning leads um, to blaming. And what happens is that blaming leads to breakdowns. You see, the more you blame, the more you break down. The angrier you get and the further you get from your destination. And what God does is in this passage is that he shows us all of Moses' questions. And you know that he actually asks six questions in that prayer? And, and by the way, Moses is praying when he's speaking to God. And, and there are six questions that he asks. And all of them are blaming. 
And because he's blaming, he's having a breakdown. And I, I know that this is speaking to you. I know it's, it's resonating with you because what's happening right now is that sometimes it feels like God isn't coming through on his promises. And sometimes God doesn't come through on his promise because people break their promises. Isn't that true? Sometimes the letdown, the breakdown is coming because we've broken promises to ourselves. It's because we've broken promises to others. It's because others have broken their promises to us. And it feels like because there's a, a breakdown in, in the promises being fulfilled in our lives, what's happening is that we start to blame the people around us. We start to blame ourselves. We start to blame the things that haven't come to pass. We start questioning. And in the questioning, we get angrier. And it's normal because it's happening to one of the greatest prophets in the scriptures. It's happening to Moses. But what the scriptures also reveal is that even in his questioning, there's a difference in the way that he's doing it versus the way that the Israelites are doing it. Because the difference between complaining and praying is what Moses also reveals. You see, God is so understanding of who we are, where we're at, of what's happening to us, what's been done to us, what we're you know, personally responsible for, what others are directly responsible for. God is aware of all of that. And so he has a, a measure of grace and mercy and compassion. He has, he has a, a deep love for us. He, he can listen to us complain all day, and it doesn't change his love towards us at all. He can look upon us, and his, and his eyes never stop staring. They never stop loving. They never stop communicating that there is no one and nothing that is more important to him than you right now. You see, God wants us to understand this to the very depths of our being. You see, the difference between complaining and prayer is, is seen in the way that the Israelites complained. See, the Israelites complained about God. They, they complained about everything. And I, I, God is saying there's a difference between complaining and a difference between complaining about me. You see, and what Moses did is that he complained, but he didn't complain about God. He didn't turn his heart away from God. He turned his heart towards God. You see, the people were complaining, but they weren't praying. Every day they just got angrier, and they kept complaining about their condition. And then they would go to Moses, and they would say, Moses, do something about this. And what Moses would do is they would take all the burdens of the people and all of their complaints, and then he would go before God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to complain to you, but I'm going to complain in prayer. See, he wasn't just complaining about God. He was complaining to God. And I, I wonder if we know what this distinction is when we're doing it ourselves. You see, I, when I complain to God, I know that God is still my solution. When I complain to God, as angry as I am, I know that I don't want to turn my back on Him. I, I, would, I would rather die than... than than not have him in my life. Because life without God is death. Not just here, 
but in the life to come. And so I know that I need to have God in every aspect of my life. So I'm not going to complain about God. I'm going to complain to God because I know God can handle it. And if there's a place where God can receive my complaints and then help me emotionally with those complaints and subside my anger because of those complaints, it's when I'm praying. And you see, and every time I would look over to my mom and I would see her not getting better and I saw her getting closer and closer to death and and when I had to spend the last days and hours with her in palliative care, I, I, I couldn't imagine my life without her because she had been everything to me and I didn't want her to go. Until the very end, I just kept praying and believing. Even when they were, you know, just administrating the the things that they give to, to just make the pain go away. I was still believing and hoping, and, and I could just feel my anger still just there at the surface. And then I just started praying and releasing. And yet I was complaining to God, but I was complaining to Him in prayer. And when I complained to God in prayer, here's what happened. So I started crying. My complaining prayers turned into praise. And I started thanking God for my mom and for the time that I had her, for the woman that she was, for the patience she had, for the love she gave me, for the forgiveness she offered me, for the unconditional support she had for my my life, for the way she helped me in my ministry, for the way that she cared for me when I would walk in through the door, for the way she would ask questions to see if I was okay and knew exactly which questions to ask because she knew there was an answer that needed to come out and she only knew how to get it out of me. And you see, when, when, you, when you go from a place of complaint to a place of prayer, it's, it's when you can really release your burdens. And you know, Moses, one of his biggest complaints in his prayer is that, why have you given me this burden to carry, right? And sometimes it just feels like it. When things are not going right, you're like, why did I have to get this burden? Why is this burden mine? Like, why did I have to be the one who goes through this? Like, oh, did I give birth to these Israelites, Moses says? Did I bring them into the world? Like, I I get it when you're married to someone, when they're your child, uh, when you're, you know, the, the, the primary caregiver, when you're the person who's been given this responsibility. I get it when... When that person is, is like your mother, your father, and even if you haven't had a good relationship, maybe you're the last person who cares enough in this world to even care about them. Have you ever been there? Nobody else will even go. No one else will even do anything, but you show up. You know, I remember doing a funeral for a Hollywood stuntman. This guy was like famous, famous guy from Montreal, famous, and he had done like all the most incredible movies that we just, I I could list them. And and, and when I went to do the funeral, I went because someone from the congregation said, Pastor, this guy didn't have much family and he's only got a sister left. And I was like, would you show up at this funeral and would you, you know, bury this person? I said, absolutely. So I went and and it it was me the person from the congregation who told me about it and his sister and this famous person. No one cared enough 
to be present at his burial. And when I talked to the sister, I said, what's going on? What's happened here? And she's like, he's lucky, this SOB, that I'm even here. I was like, I guess there's, there's been issues. <laughs> there's been problems. <laughs> Something's happened. <laughs> my, just my intuition was really strong in that moment. <laughs> God was like speaking to me so powerfully. I was just reading, reading things, just getting it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what happened? It's like, oh, you know. She goes into her story, and, and I said, um, I'm really sorry that you've gone through this. It's, he goes, this has been a burden. I just, I just want to bury him and be rid of my burden. I said, can I, can I just explain something to you? That even after today, the only way this burden will ever be buried is if you give it to Jesus. There's no other way. And she started to tear up and she started to cry. And she goes, you know, I, I couldn't even bring myself to honor him by burying him. I've kept him in a freezer for a year. That's how much I hated him. And I said, and how, how have you felt during this year? The worst I've ever felt in my life. And, and doesn't that tell you what you need to know? Can we take this moment that when we bury your brother, you're going to bury this burden at the same time? And she did. And she was set free. Because there's a moment when you literally have to bury those burdens. And if you haven't done that, and if you haven't literally sometimes even gone in your backyard or in a public park <laughs> or in your neighbor's yard, the guy you hate, maybe, I don't know, and dig a hole literally and say, I'm going to take my burden and I'm just going to shove it down this hole and I'm going to bury it and I'm going to leave it here. Sometimes the actual act of digging a hole and burying something is more than enough. And I'll tell you why it's important. Because if symbols weren't important, then Jesus wouldn't have told us to bury our old life in water baptism. You see, when you get baptized in water, you're dying to the old life. You're burying the old person, and you're being raised in the new person. And you have to remind yourself, all of you that have been already baptized, that when you do that, you're saying, I am burying my past once and for all, because there's only one life to live, and that is the resurrected life and the power of the resurrected Lord. Amen. I'm going to bury this, and I'm not going to let it live anymore. That's what you need to do. And sometimes the only way to do that is, is symbolically, is actually going through with exactly that. You know, if you think Moses was the only person who went through this, you're wrong. It wasn't just Moses. It was also Elijah. It was also Jeremiah. Look at Elijah. Look at what he says in 1 Kings 19.4. He says, he went on alone in the wilderness. He traveled all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said these words, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. In Jeremiah 20, in verse 14, he says, I curse the day that I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. Why was I ever born, in verse 18? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. And so we, we understand that people who had the presence of God to a measure and in a manner that none of us have ever had, 
They saw God in a way and heard from Him in a manner that I would, I would yearn to have that kind of an experience. Moses was called the friend of God. Elijah performed miracles in a time in which people stopped believing in them. Jeremiah spoke to a people who refused to repent, and yet they continued to carry the burden. But with that came anger. And here's what we see happening in their lives, and it's a warning to us in our lives. And here is the warning God gives. He says, don't spiral into spiteful. Because we begin to spite people, spite things, spite events, spite circumstances. And then we can't see how God is using those moments and those opportunities in our life to grow our character, to change us, to strengthen us, to prepare us for the journey that is ahead. There is nothing that has happened in your life, whether it be by your choosing or someone else's choice, that isn't something that God can use to still get you to your destination. And so you have to resist and do not spiral into becoming someone who is spiteful. But instead, I need you to pour your heart out to the parental father heart of God. You see, Matthew 11, verse 28, it says this, then Jesus said these words, come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I am the one who's going to give you rest. So Jesus says, if you don't know how to bury this, let me bury it for you. Can we say amen to that? If you don't know how to bury it, if you don't know how to get rid of it, if you don't know how to give it up, if you don't know how to let God do what he needs to do instead, let him do it. If you can't, let him. You see, when they were complaining, they were praying. And you know what they were saying and complaining? They were saying, God, I've got a heavy burden. I don't know how to carry it. Why did you give it to me to carry? Here's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to give it back to you for you to carry it for me. And you see, when Moses did that, when Elijah did that, and when Jeremiah did it, they all got to continue on the journey and arrive at the destination that God had in store for them. You see, God was always with them, even though they had spiraled into moments where they were spiteful. But God was giving them the opportunity to grasp this concept. And what Jesus does is that he makes it clear for all of us. He says, if you can't get rid of this burden, then give it to me. I'll carry it. When Jesus was on the road to Golgotha, when he was going to the skull, the hill in which he would be crucified, he had to carry the cross. And he carried the cross until someone was chosen by a Roman soldier to carry it for Jesus. And there was a rule back then that you had to carry whatever a Roman would impose on you to carry. And, and the rule was you could have to carry it for one mile. And it's interesting because Jesus says something in his teaching about what it looks like to be his follower. And he says, when someone asks you to carry something for one mile, carry it for two. And the person who carried the cross, that person, Simon the Cyrene, couldn't carry it all the way because Jesus had to be the one who did it. And, but he got a break. And he's forever remembered as the person who carried Jesus' burden. 
even though it wasn't voluntary, he did it nonetheless, and, and it was imposed. It wasn't something that was voluntary on his part, but he's, but he's remembered in history forever for it. I, I wonder, is there a moment in your life where you feel like God is telling you to help someone else carry a burden? You see, because it isn't just about giving it to God, and it's just not just about giving it to Jesus, and it's not just about bearing burdens and letting Him carry them. There are times when God calls on us in the Scriptures that because we are to love one another, that we are to carry one another's burdens. And there's a time when God is going to ask you to accompany someone to their death, and you're going to have to be the one who becomes the burden bearer. No one else but you. You become the primary person who becomes the burden bearer. And in, and in the same way that Jesus carried our burdens, God has made it possible for you to carry someone's burden. And, and, and I want you to understand that there is a special place in God's book of honor and blessing and favor for those who carry the burdens of others. Because it is an ultimate act of sacrifice. It is putting yourself aside so someone else can flourish. It's so that someone else can achieve, someone else can experience just the respite, the rest that they need. And if you can ease someone's burden, you are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. You are following Him so closely to His heart and His intention and His motivation and to His calling that you resemble Jesus in those moments more than any other because when you carry someone else's burden, you are being just like Jesus. And so when we come before God, God says, I want you to come before me. I want you to come and I want you to cry out. I don't want you to hold anything back. Just come, cry out. Just, just go ahead and complain. But when you complain, just do it to me. And then let me, let me work in your heart. Let me work in your life. Let me help you with your anger. Let me take care of your burden. Let me show you what I can do next. And, and in Psalm 69, in verses 1 and 2, it says this, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. A deeper and deeper, it says, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water, and the floods, they overwhelm me. If you feel like you're drowning in debt, if you feel like you're in over your head, if you feel like crying out, I'm sinking, you're speaking the language of this psalmist right now. God is saying, come and cry out. It's okay to say these things. It's okay to recognize your limitations to where you're struggling, to where things are hard, to where things are not working, to where things are not the way they're supposed to be. But then in Psalm 13, again, in verses 5 and 6, it says, but I trust you. I trust you in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because He is good to me. Our hope for the future is anchored to God's faithfulness in the past. 
And so you can look to your future and say, because God has been faithful then, he will be faithful now. And you can move from the place where you're complaining to the place where you're praising, to the place where you are able to experience what God has in store for you. God says, I want you to be honest. I want you to be real. I want you to be emotional with me. I'm okay with all that. When you're angry, be angry. But don't turn your back on me. Because I'm the burden bearer. I can bury that burden. I can carry it for you. I'm the one who can get rid of it when the time comes. Come to me and cry out. Say what you need to say. I'll still be here after you're done. Can we say amen to that? Oh, man. God does not walk out on us when we go on a rant. God does not walk out on us when we vent. God doesn't walk out on us when we are at our worst, when we've said the worst things. When all he's seen is anger, he doesn't walk out on us. He will still be there for you. He will still be there for me. God will never leave us. He made a promise. And he will keep that promise. He will never forsake us because he is the burden bearer. And he will bury our anger. And he can do that for you. Are you ready to have him do that in your life? Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.